Today, I am wrapping up uh, a mini-series on the Gospel of Matthew. You've been reading Matthew in your weekly Bible readings. And so far, we've talked from the Gospel of Matthew about shunning the devil, shutting down Satan just like Jesus did when he was in that season of testing out in the wilderness. Shut him down, resisted him. We want to do what Jesus did in our daily life. We don't want to give ear to, the, to Satan's temptations. We talked about showing compassion, extending kindness and love to our neighbors. And we talked about sharing our doubts, being open and honest about the questions that we have so that our faith can grow. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. And I want to invite you to grab your Bible or your smartphone and open the Bible app or a Bible, somehow access the Word of God if you can and go with me to Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to start in verse 5. On this occasion, when the disciples reached the other side, they are sailing here across the Sea of Galilee and when they reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. They are all in a boat together and they are sailing. When we begin to read in Matthew chapter 16, verse 5, they are sailing from the western side of the Sea of Galilee up to the north shore and probably somewhere along the way it dawned on them that they forgot to bring bread. Now in Mark's account, we are told that they did have one loaf But one loaf wasn't going to go very far with 12 hungry disciples plus Jesus. And so we can imagine this crew sailing across the Sea of Galilee to the next stop along Jesus' ministry route. And we can imagine the the, the concern that they expressed when they realized that they didn't have bread. Thaddeus, did you bring the bread? Oh no, I totally forgot the bread. It was your responsibility to... Take care of bringing the bread. Well, I'm sorry, Bartholomew, but Philip started talking to me and I got distracted, okay? Have you ever forgotten to do something before? Or, or are you so perfect that you're, you're not forgetful at all? Well, we don't have any bread. What are we going to do without bread? We're going to be hungry. And if you know anything about the disciples' experience with Jesus up to this point, you realize how needless and silly their anxiety is? They have already witnessed not one, but two miraculous feedings, the first of which is recorded in Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus takes the contents of a young boy's lunchbox and turns it into a feast for thousands. Seven loaves, or excuse me, five loaves and two fish And he turns it into a meal that fed 5,000 plus, maybe even close to 10,000 people. Did they not remember that? And then in Matthew chapter 15, just the very next chapter, we read about how Jesus miraculously fed 4,000 plus people with just seven loaves and a few fish. And so they shouldn't be concerned about bread. Because if bread is a problem, Jesus... Jesus can provide bread. And then, I also think about how they have already needlessly worried on a boat before in the presence of Jesus. Not once, but twice. 
Do you remember when they were out on the Sea of Galilee and a storm blew up and Jesus was asleep and they were worried that their lives might be lost and Jesus gets up and just with a word calms the wind and the waves and says, oh, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And then on another occasion, Jesus is not with them, but the wind is against the boat and then Jesus comes walking on the water, but they don't think that it's Jesus, they think that it's a ghost and Peter gets out of the boat and he tries to walk to his Lord, but he sinks. We've been down this road before and yet here they are, once again, they're worrying, there's not enough bread, what are we going to do? We're going to go hungry and we look at these guys and we roll our eyes, but really, are we that different? We worry about the same things over and over and over again in our lives, and yet we have ample evidence of God's provision of His care in our lives over and over and over again. So maybe we shouldn't give the disciples such a hard time. But that's actually not my primary point today. Let's keep reading. Because when the disciples realize that they don't have enough bread to feed everybody, Jesus uses this as a teachable moment. He seizes a teachable moment here. Read with me in verse 6. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus hears them talking about their lack of bread, and so he's going to use their discussion about bread to teach them a lesson. So he pauses and he gets their attention and he says, listen guys, I want you to watch, be very vigilant, be very cautious, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now when Jesus is talking about leaven here, he's not talking about yeast. Yeast was uncommon in the ancient world. He's talking instead about a small lump of fermented dough and I'm not a big baker, I've never baked bread, but some of you have, and you know what I'm talking about. In this day and time, in this culture, they would leave a little bit of the fermented dough from the previous week, and then they would add it to a new lump of dough, and the leaven would work its way through that entire lump of dough, causing it to rise when baked. And Jesus says, I need you to beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We are just coming off a few verses in which the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who, by the way, two sects of the Jewish leadership, were fierce enemies. The Pharisees and the Sadducees did not like one another. I've often heard them described this way. The Pharisees were the legalists And the Sadducees were the theological liberals, and they didn't have very much in common. But Jesus angered them both enough, and he threatened their leadership enough that they joined forces against him. We often see these guys in cahoots, and we think that they got along, but they didn't. But the ministry of Jesus gave these enemies a reason to unite. And we see them unite in the first few verses of Matthew 16 when they come to Jesus And they ask him for a sign. Perform some type of miracle so that we will know that you are the Savior. But Matthew tells us, they weren't asking honestly. They weren't genuinely seeking a sign. They wanted to test him. They wanted him to do something 
do something that they could then use against him, and he rebukes them for it. And he says, even if I performed a sign, you wouldn't believe it because you are not genuinely seeking the truth. And so we are fresh off of that short story about the Pharisees and the Sadducees asking for a sign. And Jesus here says, you guys need to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Mark, in his account, throws the followers of King Herod into that mix. The Herodians, those who were loyal to Herod. And these three groups, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, they represented, they comprised the religious and the political corruption of the day. I mean, they ran the gamut of the corruption in the leadership that the people had over them in this day, the Jewish people. And what Jesus is saying here, just to break it down, just to be as clear as possible, what he's saying to his disciples is, don't allow the teaching, the tone, the tack of bad leadership of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians to influence you, to infiltrate you as leaven works its way through a lump of dough. Their leaven is dangerous, so you need to look out for it. Now, what do you think about the leadership in our country today? What do you think about our ruling class? The people who are in high positions of authority in our nation. Do you think that we have a leadership problem? As I look around at many of our public figures, not all, and I don't want you to think I'm lumping everybody into this category, but what I see, and probably what you see, as you look at our leaders on the national stage, what I see is a lack of basic kindness, and compassion, especially in dealing with people who have different ideas, people who are on the other end of the ideological spectrum. What I see is a lack of honesty. Oh, I think we get honesty when it's politically advantageous. I think sometimes our leaders are honest, but only when it fits their narrative. I see a lack of, of just basic decency and politeness in many of our leaders today. And again, not all. But what I see is often hypocrisy, where they only do the right thing, not because it's the right thing, but because it's politically expedient for them, but because they know it will get them reelected, that it will gin up more votes for them in the next election cycle. We even have some leaders who seem to want us to fear the other side, even to hate our political opponents. So I'm just wondering if Jesus, if he were here today, if he would say to us about our leadership, about the people who are in positions of authority in our society, in our country, I'm wondering if Jesus would say to us, listen, look out for their leaven. Beware their leaven. Because as Paul says, 
Paul writes on a couple occasions in his letters, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And this is probably a saying that was sort of circulated, and Paul uses it in a couple different contexts, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 6, and Galatians chapter 5, 9. And what he's saying and what I'm saying is that a little of that stuff that I just mentioned that characterizes so many of our leaders on a national level in our country, a little bit of that stuff will go a long way in corrupting you, both individually and collectively, as a body of believers, as the church. Don't think for a minute that the bad leaven of our leadership can't infiltrate the way that we think and the way that we speak and the way that we act and the way that we treat our neighbors. Now, the disciples don't catch Jesus' drift. When we read in Matthew chapter 16, verse 7, Matthew tells us they began discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. They still think Jesus is talking about bread. Jesus has said, has said I'm going to use their concern about bread to teach a spiritual lesson. Listen to me, beware the leaven, beware the influence of your leaders, of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Herodians. And the disciples look at one another and they begin talking to one another, but we still don't have any bread. What is Jesus talking about? Is he saying that if we go into the home of a Pharisee or a Sadducee, we need to not eat the bread that they cook because there's something wrong with the leaven that they use? They just don't get it. They're dense. They're clueless. The gospel writers often stress how they lacked understanding. But similarly, I'm afraid that we can be dense about the negative influence that leadership, that political leadership can have on us as believers, as the church. Because as I look around, it's evident that the leaven of some of our leaders has infiltrated our society. Did you know, let me share a few statistics with you. Did you know that 42% of the people in each of the two major political parties in this country view the opposition as downright evil? A stunning 20% of Democrats, 16% of Republicans believe we'd be better off as a country if large numbers of the opposing party and the public today just died. People wish death on those who are on the other side of the aisle. And if the opposing party wins the 2020 election, 18% of Democrats, 13% of Republicans feel violence would be justified. And we've already seen that there are some crazy people in our world who act violently based on extreme ideologies. In their brains. One survey found that 86% of Republicans think Democrats are brainwashed, 84% think they're hateful, 71% think they're racist. The same survey found that 88% of Democrats think Republicans are brainwashed, 87% think, think they're hateful, 89% think they're racist. It's evident to me that the leaven of division and anger and hatred often encouraged by our leaders, and, and let's not just talk about our political leaders, let's throw the media in there. 
And let's throw all the political pundits and, and the, the bloggers and the newspaper writers, our leaders, not just political leaders, but anybody in our society that has a platform, it's evident that their leaven, their influence has worked its way into every nook and cranny of our society. And listen, this is not a sermon about improving our political discourse. This is not about improving our political rhetoric. No, this is the church of Jesus Christ, and we've got bigger fish to fry. What I want to talk about is how Christians ought to respond to this madness, to this mania that we are seeing in our country today, in the, in the division, in the hatred that we witness every day. And what I want to say, what we all need to hear is don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't be dragged into the gutter. Do not co-opt the ways of the world when you are dealing with people with whom you disagree. Our role as God's people, as Christians, is to model to the rest of our society, to the rest of our world, a higher, better way. Now that's not saying that we shouldn't stand up for the truth. That we shouldn't be politically engaged. It just means we should do so differently. That we should not take our cues from those leaders who speak and act and say things and do things that do not comport with our faith and with our convictions and with the way the Lord wants us to live. Now, Jesus is frustrated with the lack of understanding of His disciples, with the incomprehension of His disciples. Look with me in Matthew chapter 16, verse 8. They still think Jesus is talking about bread. They don't get it. So he says, Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you have little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How many baskets did you gather, guys? I can almost hear it. And they say, muttering, heads lowered under their breath, 12 baskets. And how many baskets did you gather? After I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves. How many baskets, guys? Seven baskets. And these weren't just baskets with just a few crumbs and leftovers. These were baskets full of food, full of provision that Jesus had provided. And so he says, how is it that you failed to understand that I did not speak about bread? I'm not talking about bread. If bread is a problem, I can make bread. What I want to say to you, and he repeats it, is beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about their influence. And you better watch out. You better beware. Because the way that they act and think and speak will sneak in and will infiltrate every nook and cranny of your heart. And before you know it, you're going to be doing just what they're doing. You're going to be thinking just what they want you to think. So please, 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 be careful. And then they got it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 12. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And not just their teaching, but their tone, their tack, their approach. Maybe they in this moment recalled 
that leaven was a common Jewish metaphor for that evil impulse to sin, that urge that exists within every one of us that makes us prone to temptation, to the arrows of the evil one. Leaven was a symbol for that in ancient Judaism. And in time, it came to represent the evil of the old age that is passing away because of the reign of Jesus Christ. Leaven came to symbolize that. They finally got it. They finally understood what Jesus was trying to tell them using this imagery of bread and leaven. And my question is, are we going to get it like them? There's an election coming up, and I'm dreading it, because it's going to be ugly. The last one was ugly. I have every reason to believe this one is going to be just as ugly, if not uglier. And church, Christians, brothers and sisters, we need to beware, be on guard against the leaven of our leaders. May we be those who embrace radical kindness and compassion and love, even and especially for those with whom we disagree. May we stand for truth boldly, and may we do it in love. Even when it's not politically expedient or advantageous, even when it may not benefit our side of the aisle, our narrative, may we not get sucked into the cycle of outrage that our politicians And that the 24-7 cable news cycle and all the media pundits like to create, let me say something, you don't belong in that. You were made for more than that. That's not who you are as a citizen of the kingdom of God. May we use our words to help and not hurt. May we build up and not tear down. And may we remember, again, as I just said, we belong to the everlasting kingdom of God of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our primary goal is not to gin up votes and not to win people onto our side of the aisle, but to win souls. That's goal number one. I pray that like the early Christians, every time we gather around this table and we eat the unleavened bread, that bread that is flat because it contains no leaven. I pray that we remember like the early Christians. When we eat that, that we belong to a different world that has different priorities because we are partaking of a piece of bread in which no leaven is found. That leaven that that represented to the Jews the evil impulse to sin, That leaven that represented the present evil age that is passing away under the lordship of Jesus Christ, not an ounce of that is in this. And when we eat that, I pray that we will remember and we will rededicate ourselves as citizens, not of an earthly nation, not of a temporary government, but as citizens of the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that we will remember that when we take of this bread that contains no leaven. Just like the early Christians. You know, the same leaven image is used in Matthew chapter 13. Just a few chapters before. In verse 33, 
the same image is used, but instead of being used in a negative sense, it's used in a positive sense. You're probably familiar with this short parable of Jesus. He told them another parable and said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leaven. You see, it's not supposed to work in, in the other way where the leaven of corrupt, bad leadership works its way into our hearts and into our actions. No, it's supposed to work in just the opposite way. Where the priorities of the kingdom of God with our help is supposed to diligently, quietly work its way into every nook and cranny of our world until Jesus returns and ushers us into a brand new world. The kingdom of God is like that, like leaven. That's the way it's supposed to work. Our influence is to go out into the world. It's not that their influence is supposed to come in. This is how it's supposed to work, in the way that Jesus lays out in his parable. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Not a political party. Not a figure. Not an idea. And if I take my cues from those things, if I allow that influence, that leaven to enter into my heart and to take precedence over the example and the teachings of my Lord Jesus Christ, then I've gone off track and I need to repent. Jesus is my Lord. Is Jesus your Lord? He can be your Lord today. You can come and make Him the Lord of your life. You can come repent of your sins, confess His name, and be baptized so that those sins can be washed away. Or if you need to come for prayers, for any reason, I have been so encouraged the last few weeks. We've had different folks come for a variety of reasons. People struggling spiritually. People wanting prayers because of a, a disease, a, an illness. People wanting to be baptized. It's a beautiful thing. When people can honestly come before their church family and say, I can't do this on my own. I need God's help and I need the help of my brothers and sisters. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to come right now as we stand and sing.